Good morning, everyone. It's good to see you today. I believe that more than anything else today, we're here to remember the Lord Jesus Christ and to lift him up. We have communion today, which we know we do in remembrance of the Lord Jesus Christ. And really, uh, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is the only thing I know of in this world that can make any sense of all the things that were brought to our remembrance a few moments ago, all those prayer requests yes. for those people who are on their deathbeds, for those that are sick, for those who've lost their lives. Indeed, I was searching through my Bible a few minutes ago, I mean a few minutes ago, when Brother Tim told me he was going to call on me, a few minutes ago, I was searching through my Bible for bookmarks to mark some scriptures, and uh, I uh, came upon a uh, notice for a funeral arrangements for a funeral I was involved in a week or so ago. You know, death is just all around us, isn't it? Yes. And we hear about it every day. We dread it. Uh, it takes our loved ones from us. But the only real answer we have for it in terms of any hope is in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's ironic to me when you read through the Scripture... And we're told over and over and over, many places, and some of which we may look at this morning, that it was the Lord Jesus Christ who spoke this world into existence and this universe and made the things that we see out in the natural world and made us. And it was man that brought sin into the world, and death came by sin, and so death passed upon all men. Romans chapter 5, you're very familiar with that. Men and women take credit for a lot of things and making a lot of things, producing a lot of things, building a lot of things. But the only thing really we can take credit for in creation, and I don't know if you'd use the word creation, but more of a development or more of an entrance, is the uh, entrance of sin into the world. That's really the only thing we can take credit for as human beings. Now, we can take the things God has made and we can turn them into other things, which are a great advantage to us many times. But it helps us, I think, to go back to the Word of God periodically And look at what the Lord has done in relation to what we have done and to see how great and mighty and wonderful and perfect and pure and holy he is. And understand that the world that he created is not the world that we now see. The world of sin and death and us being under the law of sin and death is not the way things were when God made them originally. Now to begin talking about that, I'll turn your attention to the... The last chapter in the Bible, Revelation chapter 22, and verse 12. Words of the Lord here, probably written in red in your Bible. And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Jesus made a lot of of claims uh, for himself. When the brothers mentioned yesterday, he said, I am the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He said in uh, in 1 John, uh, through the words of John, that he is all light. There's no darkness in him at all. Here he says that I am the beginning. He was the beginning of things, the beginning of time. And he also says, I am the end. So a time will come where God will say, this is it. And time will be no more. And as we heard yesterday, this universe that we know a little bit about, very little, but we've learned a little bit about it, will be done away with. And the Lord will have his will and have his way 
as he did in the beginning. If you turn back a few pages to Revelation chapter 4, we read a little bit about God's perspective on the beginning. And in a moment, we will go back to the beginning, Genesis chapter 1, and read there. But remember the words of the Lord in the last chapter of the Bible, I'm the beginning and the end. Why did the Lord start time? Why did the Lord make a universe? Why did he make a world? Well, in Revelation chapter 4, we have a little bit of a clue here in verse 11. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things. And here's why. And for thy pleasure they are and were created. So, Brother Neil, does the Lord take pleasure in all of this death and all these things we see around us? Well, remember, we'll look at it in a minute. When the Lord created this uh, universe and this planet, it wasn't a place of sin and death. Right. It was a place that was very good, and it was intended to be that way. Move back with me um, a little bit further in Scripture, if you would, to the book of Colossians, the first chapter. In verse 12, we read this. Giving thanks unto the Father, which made hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Who made you worthy to go to heaven? God did. <laughs> you didn't have anything to do with that. So if you have a hope in your heart that you're going to be with him someday, you have a belief there through faith that you're going to be in heaven with the Lord. You've been moved to come down and profess Christ before a body of believers and be baptized and you live in that and walk in that. That's great. That's a wonderful thing. But you were made meet or were made ready or were made uh, suitable, not by your efforts, not by those actions that you took, but by God himself. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son, his dear son, who we're here today to worship and remember in communion, and who we have redemption through his blood. Even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things and by him all things consist. So not only did he create the universe that we enjoy, but he upholds it and sustains it. And keeps gravity going. I believe it was Brother Larry who said yesterday, if the Lord let go for just one second, we'd all be dead. <laughs> I mean, we'd be hurtling through the uh, universe and just torched, burnt alive if the Lord allowed this planet to get off its axis for seconds. Right. We'd all be dead. It is all held in place by the power of God. Amen. And that is part of what some uh, religious groups call, you know, general grace or something like this, that... Even though the Lord has a specific object of His grace and eternal salvation, He does allow us to have rain and food, you know, even for on this planet, even for people that don't love Him. He has some general goodness in that sense. Turn back to John chapter 1 with me, if you would, please. In the first verse, many of you no doubt could quote this, but I would like to read these to you because it's trying to establish a point. In John, the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Remember what Jesus said, I am the beginning and the end. I am the first and the last. All things were made by Him, 
and without him was not anything made that was made. Remember that verse when we read Genesis chapter 1 or parts of it, depending on how much we get to today. You know, some people believe that the Lord kind of started life here and then it just sort of evolved along. He helped it along a little bit. But that's not what this passage of Scripture is saying. There was not anything made that was made without him. So we can't say, well, you know, God made some sort of a little amoeba and then it just three billion years later, here we are. You know, that, that would that would not be according to Scripture. Okay, they just you can't have you can't have that and have the Bible, too. In him was life and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness and the darkness comprehended it not. So I think we've established in these passages of Scripture here in the New Testament, the Bible is crystal clear about who created the things that we experience in the natural world. I think you would all agree with that. If um, if you had any disagreement with that, I'll just recommend you to the scripture. <laughs> and there's about four good ones. OK, so Brother Neil, what, what's the big deal with this? You know, why are you addressing this? Why do you feel like you have a heart to address this today? You know, where it's a communion service. I understand that. But I know that there are many uh, young ones in here who are going to school, going to college, different uh, avenues, trying to get education, attainments, and that sort of thing. And I also know that even for many of us adults, you know, we are just uh, inundated with the ideas of the world that say that this world is billions of years old, that, um, you know, all of these rock layers and fossil layers and things like that don't represent evidence of a great flood, but they represent eons of time. And that the uh, religious accounts that we have in the Bible and even some other religions that recount the great flood and et cetera, et cetera, that those are all just uh, stories that somebody came up with. They're folk tales and all this sort of nonsense. But I want you to understand as children of God that if we take the Bible to mean what it says, we have to take it and also understand that there's a literal account of creation. Now, the reason I brought you to John chapter one is this. And we'll look at Genesis 1 in just a moment, as I keep saying. <laughs> Bear with me. Because if you'll recall, many of our verses that we cling to in regards to salvation, are they not in the book of John? John chapter 3, the Lord's famous uh, conversation with Nicodemus. You all probably memorized John 3.16 at some point in your lives. John 5.25, one of the brothers quoted it yesterday. The hour is coming and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. If I can't trust John chapter 1, that the Lord made everything by the word of His power, that in the beginning He was with God, and that the things that we see were made by Him by His word only, as He spoke it into existence, how could I claim John 3? How could I claim John 5? How could I claim John chapter 6? All that the Father giveth to me shall come to me. How could that give me any comfort if I can't believe John chapter 1? Well, I know you all believe it. But I want you to believe it, and I would ask you, to stand on that. Amen. If this world stands for another 500 years or another 1,000 years, Darwinism will probably be uh, discarded. Men, scientists, women scientists, they will have come up with some other theory about the origins of this universe. Indeed, since I was in college, I was taught in college, I was a biology major. And then I went on to did some other training in biology. I was told at that time that the universe was 3.5 billion years old. You know what has happened in the last 30 years? That has gone from 3.5 billion to 15 billion. Now, I can't even count that high, folks. So you tell me if that's an ironclad 
uh, scientific fact, how did it go from 3.5 to 15 in 30 years? In the span of a lifespan of a puny little man, we changed it that much. That tells you how much folks know about the past. But I will suggest to you this morning and submit to you on the authority of the word of God that there was somebody there at the beginning. And not only was he there at the beginning, and not only did he speak things into existence, but he claims it all through his word from the very first verse to the very last chapter. Because he's the beginning and he's the end. He's the first and the last. It is our Savior. And if we can gather together and worship him as our Savior, if we're truly going to worship him and truly claim him for what he is and who he is, we got to give him credit for all that he's done. And we don't need to attribute to him things that he didn't do. You know, the, the evolutionists want to twist your heart, young people, as you go to college or as you go to high school. You know why? Because if they can convince you that things occurred naturally, that evolution is a product of chance, that all of the death that we see is a product of chance, then they have a real inroad to defeat your religious beliefs. Because all they have to do is say this, well, hey, look at all that death out there. Look at all the billions and trillions of creatures that have died. You know, I ate sausage this morning. I don't know about y'all. An animal died so that I could eat that sausage, right? Yeah, probably some of y'all probably ate sausage or bacon or something. My goodness, no time many pigs died to get us here this morning. Think about that now. That's death. So here's what the evolutionists would say. Well, hey, you believe in God? Look out there at the world and all that death. If God is good, if there's really a God, he wouldn't allow all that. Well, he suffers it to be, no doubt, with much long suffering. But he's going to put it to end someday because he didn't create a world like that. Man got in the midst of it and disobeyed his law. And death came by sin to us. Oh, sure, God, God cursed the ground for man's sake. But it was a result of man's actions. And the reason the evolutionists want to twist that is partly a, um, an attempt to get out of that culpability. Okay? Because if there's no God, then there's no uh, absolute standard of right and wrong. I believe it was Brother Jonathan yesterday that said that we're living in a culture that has lost this absolute standard of right and wrong. Why have we lost our absolute standard of right and wrong? Because we don't believe anymore that there's an absolute God. Right. Not in this building, but out in the world. We need, to, we need to reorient that. And I think part of the way we do that is for young people that are sitting here, if you're going to be in church someday and you're going to continue to believe in a Savior, you need to believe in the Savior of the Bible, which came to this world and He walked on this earth and He went to the cross and He bled and He died. Why? To redeem His creation. That we messed up. So let's go back to Genesis chapter 1. And the words here are somewhat similar to what we read in the last chapter of the Bible. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. Starts it all off. Because it's the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. There's a lot of preaching in that verse, y'all. And I don't have time to do it today, and I might not be capable of doing all of it. But I'll tell you one thing it tells us, there's one God. Amen. I don't read about the 50,000 Hindu gods in here. Right. No offense to those people. Some of them are probably children of God. But there's one God. Amen. Okay? And the earth was without form. And void. There's no life on it. 
And darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Now, the other thing that you'll notice in verse 1 is that God created the heaven and the earth. Now, we won't get uh, very far into chapter 1 today. Um, If y'all want to, we could just stay in in about 10 years when we finish it up, we could all go home. (laughs) It might take longer than that. But I'll tell you one other thing you notice there is there's one God and there's one earth. You know, and I don't know who comes up with all these uh, conspiracy theories about all the aliens and stuff like that and life out there. But if there is, only God knows about it because there's one earth. You see that, you know, people might say and scientists really look down on people that are kind of uh, geocentric or earth centric and say, well, this earth is a very special place. God made it to be a special place for his special creation, man. But I'm going to tell you, that's just what the Bible says. The heaven here is the universe. There's three heavens. There's the heaven where God lives, which is which is a literal place, but it already existed because God was already there. And then there's our atmosphere, which is a heaven. And then there's everything outside of that till the end of the universe, which is the heaven here. Because this is this is just where the Lord has created the universe and the earth. He hasn't put an atmosphere around it yet. It's just void. It's not fit for life yet. And it doesn't mean that it's bad or cursed or anything like that. It's just empty. And there's this big universe out there, but there's just one earth. There's just one special place that God put at an exact distance from his son to keep it warm, but not too warm. Let some parts of it get cool, but not too cool. (laughs) It gets hot in Alabama in the summer, doesn't it? But if you're real careful and you drink enough water, it won't kill you. You know, you you can get out there and do a few things. um, And depending on how, you know, tough you are. I'm not that tough. You know, some of y'all can get out there and do a lot more than I can. That's really cold sometimes. But uh, you can stand it. Most parts of this earth can be stood by mankind for some, some period of time, even after sin and death and all this. So the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. Now, what do we read in John chapter 1? In him was life, and life was the light of man. John chapter 1. John chapter 1 is setting off the appropriate understanding of the doctrine of redemption and of the fall of man and of spiritual life. By referring back to Genesis chapter 1. Why? Because Genesis chapter 1 is giving us a formula for how we have our spiritual life, if you allow me to say it that way. Now, this, this earth wasn't cursed with sin at this point. But until God said, let there be light, and God created the capacity for life, there was no life. Now, fast forward six or 7,000 years. And look at the heart of the unregenerate person. That's dead in trespasses and sins. In a spiritual sense, they're void and there's no life. Now, naturally, they're up walking around, sure, and talking and eating and all the other things. But spiritually, there's not anything going on there until what? Until the Spirit of God moves upon the face of the waters of their heart. And God says, let there be light. And in Him was light and the light was the life of men. If we don't believe... Genesis chapter 1, in terms of a creation account, we lose a lot of our doctrine about eternal salvation. And I will tell you that Satan is a whole lot smarter than we are. And he will use any kind of little inroad he can to defeat the doctrine of the Lord Jesus Christ and to try to take away the glory from the Lord. But we read in Revelation chapter 4, to him, or excuse me, Colossians, to him be all glory and honor and power in Revelation 4. Why? Because he made everything. Amen. 
But Satan would like to tell us through his minions that are out there, through some of these folks of so-called science, as Paul said, that would try to tell you that it all happened by accident. Well, if it all happened by accident and you've got some religious hope, that's also an accident. But I'm here to proclaim to you this morning that it was not accidental. Creation was not accidental. The pine trees aren't accidental. Those muscadine vines aren't accidental. Those privet hedges are not accidental. Even they're not supposed to be in Alabama. But they're not accidental. God made them. He spoke them into existence. And if you have a hope in Jesus Christ today and you can sit for communion and take that little cup of bitter wine and eat that little piece of flat bread and it reminds you of your Savior bleeding and dying, that was no more an accident than the Lord making a pine tree. It was every bit as intentional when He sent His Spirit across your heart that was void of life and God said, let there be life, Neil Honey. And I hit my knees somewhere. And I said, I'm sorry. I remember being a little child. And I don't remember what the event was or the occasion was, but I remember walking outside and walking down the street and thinking, oh, I shouldn't have done that. Why did I do that? Because the Spirit of God moved upon my heart. It wasn't accidental. It wasn't anything accidental about that. Any more than there was any accident in God creating the world that we enjoy. And God saw the light that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. A lot of doctrine again in that. But one thing it does tell you is that um, when there's not light, there's just darkness. Again, there wasn't sin at this point. We're just making the point that there's not any light without God. Every creature on this earth is dependent on light, except for maybe a few little bacteria that live at the bottom of the ocean. And God called the light day and the darkness He called night and the evening and the morning were the first day. They weren't billions of years. They weren't millions of years. I'm sorry they tell you that stuff in school. But let me tell you, the only reason they have the nerve to say that is because the Supreme Court took the Bible out of the school about 50 years ago and people quit reading this. This is truth. Jesus was there. If you believe Jesus died for your sins, you need to believe you made the earth that we experience. We adults get inundated with that too, though, don't we? I was watching a hunting show with the kids the other night. It was a pretty good show on the, on the internet. Um, the guy didn't say any cuss words. Seemed like a pretty decent human being until they were carrying out the gazelle or whatever it was that they killed. And he looked at these you know, Africans carrying the, the uh, animal on a stick and he said, wow, you know, we've been doing this as humans for about a million years. And I went, ugh. But somebody probably taught him that, you know, I mean, the the guy said he was in his 50s. And I thought, well, you know, he probably came up in the school system and he didn't learn this. If you didn't go to church, where do you hear it? Parents, I hope they hear it at home. You don't have to understand every single thing in there to read in the Bible. And we're blessed to be in church where Brother Tim has explained a whole, whole lot of it to us. And God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters and let it divide the waters from the waters. And we'll, we'll, we'll close here. But I hope that as you look at these things, it helps establish in your heart that when you hear about death and you hear about sickness and sadness and all those things, and you wonder, just look to the Bible. Because the Bible will tell you. The Lord made a world that was very good. 
You know, he says on all of the days of creation, when he finishes, he said, it, it, it is good. It is good. But after he made Adam and Eve, he says, very good. Because the Lord had made a special creation to worship Him and to walk in communion and fellowship with Him. And I'm sad to tell you that the death that we hear about, the the sadness, the things that just tear at our hearts. Listen, don't look and shake your fists and blame God for that. Now, if you buy into the worldly philosophies, you're going to be caught in a conundrum between saying, okay, all this bad stuff is going on, so A, there either is no God, or B, he's not a good God, and I'll just blame him for everything. And you're not going to be happy, as the brother told us yesterday, if you're a child of God under either of those belief systems. You need to be reminded of what the Bible says. The Lord made a very good world. He created it himself by the word of his power. Hebrews chapter 1 tells us he upholds all things by the word of his power. And he's still very good to us. And the... This, the, the, the account, the story, the, the, the good news of the ages, the gospel says that even after God gave us as mankind this beautiful place and we messed it up, he was still willing to come in the form of a man and be born of a virgin and walk on this earth and live and breathe and die. He really died. And if you, in your mind's eye, can see him hanging on the cross for you, then, brothers and sisters, that's evidence that you're one of the ones he died for. And you're going to be happiest if you embrace that and enjoy that and walk in that. And as I've said many, many times, a good way to start that walk is walk down the aisle and ask for home in the church. (laughs) That's a start. But that's a real good start. Brother Tim mentioned, uh, I don't want to call a lot of names this morning, but one of the brothers who's fighting for his life doesn't sound like it's going very well. Well, I remember sitting behind that brother at the uh, Mule Day not too long ago. And I remember standing up there and singing a few songs with the kids and looking out over the crowd and looking at some of the older people who used to be there with their spouses, and they're gone now. You know, there was a, and many of you know, there was another young lady that was there who passed a couple weeks ago. Those things just tear our hearts out, don't they? I give you just one word of hope as I close this morning. Brothers and sisters, it's not always going to be this way. Amen. He came to redeem us, and someday he's coming back to get us. Amen. Behold, he said, I come quickly. I don't know what quickly is exactly in God's eyes, but I know it's coming quick for me. <laughs> As I get older, I'm like Brother Tim. I think sometimes I, I'm getting to where I've got a lot of people over there that I'm looking forward to seeing. Amen. Come quickly, Lord. And young ones, listen. You hold to what your parents teach you on these things, understand? And what Brother Tim has taught you. We serve a risen Savior. He made this planet. And if you get confused in school, do a little research, okay? There are other viewpoints out there. I'll be glad to talk to you about it, Brother Tim. These other brothers can talk to you about it. Listen, this earth is not a, it's not a series of accidents that led to you being here. There is a God. He made it. He redeemed it. And He has expectations for us as we walk through it.
There are absolute truths in the Word of God that do not change, will not ever change, because they as surely come from the mouth of God as the creation that we see. Thank you for your time.